Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're going to continue with our birth stories for the summer series. Today's stories come from Alexandra Maseki, who's the mother of a two-year-old and a five-month-old. Both stories start with her water breaking and have happy endings, but they unfold very differently. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by the first eight days of being a mom, a day-by-day manual on taking care of the new mom as well as her newborn. Get a 10% discount by going to thefirst8days.com slash birthful. That's with the number eight, thefirst8days.com slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, mamas and mamas-to-be. I want to thank you once again for all the love you're giving the show. And here's a quick reminder that it would be super, super helpful if you could rate the show on iTunes. To do that, go to birthful.com slash review, click on the view in iTunes link, and then click on ratings and reviews and give us as many stars as you think we deserve. So all it takes is one link and three clicks, starting from birthful.com slash review, and I will be forever grateful. So as you know, for the summer, we're doing things a little bit different. Um, I'm switching the spotlight from the professionals to the mamas so they can tell us about their birth stories, the fabulous and the not so fabulous, and just lay it all out there as it really is. Today, I have Alexandra Maseki to tell us her birth story. Well, she's got two birth stories, so she'll weave in in and out from them. Um, Alexandra, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your stories with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here to do it. Yay. So <laughs> let's So you've got two birth stories. How old are your children? Uh, my son is almost two and a half now. He'll be two and a half in August. And my daughter will be five months in a couple weeks. Time flies. Yes, big time. Yeah. So and you had them, they were in different birth places they were in different cities different care provider providers different everything so tell us a little bit more about that okay so when we had our son we were still living um in a suburb outside of new york city um so and we had just moved there we were definitely in a situation where we were kind of isolated and just sort of found an OBGYN based off of some other people we know uh their recommendation and just sort of went into it very blind, you know, not knowing what to expect, not knowing, you know, what to be dreaming for or hoping for or anything. And then um, when we had our daughter, we moved to Roch, back to Rochester, which is where I'm from originally. Um, and we just had much more of a supportive base surrounding us throughout that whole pregnancy and um, just knew more people in the community and, Um, My mom's a nurse at the U of R, and she sort of pointed me in the direction of um, a midwifery group, um, and all of that just sort of unfolded differently, and we felt so much more supported, and we now knew what to expect, so we knew what went wrong with the first one and what went right and what we wanted to keep the same and change for the second one. So Mm -hmm. um, that's that's kind of, you know, the overall of the whole 
stressful situation. So tell us a little bit about the first one. What went wrong? What went right? Um, I think overall what went right was that um, it was pretty quick. Um, my water broke at 6.45 in the morning and he was born by 8 p.m. that evening. So only about 13 hours of labor from the start of my water breaking, which was really even less hours of like active um, contraction labor. So I guess I got pretty lucky in that sense. Um, um, it was, you know, so relatively smooth, you know, no complications. Um, he was in all the right positions and, you know, came out pretty easily. Um, I guess, you know, he was healthy, everything was good. So um, I, for me, I think what went wrong was um, getting an epidural was much more painful than what I had anticipated. And in fact, getting the actual epidural was probably the scariest, most awful part of the entire day, which is kind of crazy. Um, but for me, that's just how it ended up being. Um, and then um, I think right in the beginning when I was having those first um, contractions, like when the really intense labor first set in, I really just had no support system. You know, I had, I had my husband who was just as blind as I was, um, who was actually not even in the room for a little while because they were making him fill out paperwork and parking the car and all of that. Um, and I had, you know, nurses and doctors surrounding me who, you know, thought it was funny that I thought I could get through this without an epidural. So when I expressed the severe pain without even asking me, they ordered um, the anesthesiologist to uh, get ready and come and give me, give me my epidural. And when I finally asked for it, they were like, oh, we know. We already had them ready to go. So there was really no support of what my goal was, which was to have, you know, a totally, you know, unassisted, or I don't know what the terminology is, but a birth where I had no pain um, relief or no painkillers or any of that kind of thing. You know, I wanted to be sort of unhooked, if I mm -hmm. guess you could put it that way. A non-medicated um, vaginal is sort not, of how we... Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, non-medicated. And it just the entire hospital staff just seemed to think that that was silly, that that's what I was going for. Um, and so it just didn't end up working out that way. Um, and like I said, the birth went fine. You know, once I did get the epidural and, you know, again, the contractions continued to, um, you know, uh, increase, you know, he came out fairly easily. Um, uh, but you know, I, I always felt a, a disconnect, you know, for me, it was like, oh, this baby was growing inside me. And now this other human is outside of my body, but there's this human who's now here. And that's not the same human that was growing in my belly because I just literally couldn't feel anything. Um, so that was disappointing at the time. Um, but I still felt like an instant love and connection and, all of that. And it was super great. But, um, I just, I knew that if I ever had another baby, I would definitely want to like from the moment he was born, I knew I would want the situation to be different next time. Okay. And do you think that disconnect was because you had a very dense epidural and couldn't actually feel him coming out of you? Yes. Yeah. I feel, I've talked to other friends and other women who said that even with an epidural, they were actually, they were able to feel enough pressure where they could feel their children, you know, coming out through the birth canal. Um, but I, I, you know, my, I actually had to delay pushing, even though I was 
fully dilated and all of that and ready to go. I had to delay pushing because both of my legs were so, were like limp. They were so numb. I literally, I was like paralyzed from the waist down. Um, so eventually it just got to the point where they were like, okay, we're just going to have to hold up your legs for you and you're going to have to try to push. And it ended up working, but you know, I literally felt nothing. So that w- it was just, you know, not mm-hmm. the experience I was hoping for, I guess. Was it a long time when you're pushing stage? I pushed for about an hour. Okay. Um, I think that's, that's probably about, I've heard that that's the kind of normal for your first birth. Um, it, it certainly felt faster than that. I couldn't believe that an hour had actually gone by, but, um, yeah, it took an hour to get him out by the time I did start pushing. That's the thing about labor land time. It's a time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes it feels extra slow and sometimes it feels extra fast, which is crazy. Yeah. So then fast forward a year and a half or so, and you guys are back in Rochester, and you are having your second child. And to do a full disclosure here, the reason I said earlier how time flies is because I was Alexandra's doula um, for her second child. So I know this story, but I... I love hearing it from her perspective and having that like five months that have passed to give you some distance and see how you're feeling about it. Right. Right. Um, Let's see. So fast forward, we get pregnant again. And um, like I said, I just knew I wanted everything to be different. Um, I, I, you know, the first thing I did, you know, I had begun using an OBGYN in the area, which, I already knew just from going to, you know, a yearly physical and maybe one other appointment that, oh, this is not who I want to deliver my baby. So then when I got pregnant, I, like I said, I spoke to my mother and I spoke to some other people and I found um, the URMC midwifery group um, and loved them from the moment I met with them and started meeting with the midwives. And that was just, you know, really important to me to have just the vibe that having a midwife gives you as opposed to not all, but some, um, OBGYNs, you know, I just wanted it to be, um, I, I felt like they, uh, were more oriented in the same direction as I was with my goals for what I wanted my birth to be. So it was Um, a good fit for you. Yes. Yes. Perfect fit for me. Um, you know, like I, I, even from my first visit, I remember, it was just so much more personal. Um, after I be, you know, I think I was probably 10 or 11 weeks pregnant at this point. And, you know, she was examining me, one of the midwives and, you know, she just went right in there and, you know, uh, you know, she said, you know, how did breastfeeding go for you? And I said, well, you know, it was difficult in the beginning, but we ended up doing it for a year. And she was like, that's great. And she's just examining my nipples and just starts yanking on him and says, well, you have kind of flat nipples, but it looks like your son stretched them out. So I think you should be good the second time around, you know, and it was that sort of <laughs> candidness that I really appreciated and that I needed, you know, in my experience. So I was like, all right, this is the right thing for me. So, cool. um, so, you know, cause it would have been nice for my OBGYN in the first time to have said, well, you have a flatter nipple, which may make, you know, breastfeeding more difficult. And it would have been something maybe I would have studied up on and not just thrown myself into. But anyway, so, um, and then because, like I said, I was back in this environment where I had friends and a community, I ended up going to, um, the, what was, what was the fair that you were doing in July of last year? It was the Parenting Village. 
And a the big shout out village. to yeah, Summer Bash. A big shout out to everybody in Rochester Parenting Village. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, so I had a friend who um, uh, actually um, is a speech therapist for young children, and she um, wanted to go check it out and brought me with her, and then that's where I met you, um, Adriana. And um, actually, my friend at the time didn't even know I was pregnant yet because we were still in the early stages, but the moment I met you, I knew, you know, just your, I knew your personality was just the kind of person I would want, you know, with me on that day. And then, um, so then I had you figured out, we met and we made it official and moved forward. Um, and then should I just keep going and keep telling the story of Zoe's birth? Fast forward to the day of the day before (laughs) okay so fast forward to um the day that zoe was born um which was four weeks prior to my uh original due date um which was you know a surprise and kind of a scary surprise actually um it was really exciting when my water broke when noah was born it was like the most exciting um moment in like my entire life like oh my gosh I'm gonna have my baby probably in the next like 36 hours or so and I'm gonna meet him but this time it was oh wow my water broke but I still have four weeks left of pregnancy this is a little scary okay uh we're not ready at all and prepared in any way whatsoever we don't have a backpack we don't her room's not ready like nothing's ready but okay here we go so Mm -hmm. um I remember texting Adriana at like five o'clock in the morning and feeling really bad about it but you know (laughs) You, you were great and got right back to me probably within 45 minutes or something and you were ready to go whenever we were and it was great um, and we went to the hospital my water broke at like 4.30 in the morning or something I think we got to the hospital around 11 um, and you know like I said my water broke with Noah and the um, the labor contractions began within about 4 or 5 hours like really intensely you know 3 or 4 minutes apart you know just moving right along and this time, you know, getting to the hospital at 11, this is now like almost seven hours, six or seven hours later, nothing had really happened. Um, and it was becoming clear that I wasn't going to just jumpstart into labor as easily as I had the first time. And of course, my my dreams slowly start to, start to feel like they were kind of shattering of, okay, they're going to have to intervene. Something's not right, you know. But, you know, people were staying positive. Um, the midwives were monitoring me and, um, you know, I had wanted to not be really hooked up to anything at all, but because, you know, Zoe was early, they, you know, have regulations, they had to keep her monitored, um, you know, monitoring her heart rate and everything. And because I had never had my, is it strep B? Is mm-hmm. that what it is that they the test you for it? Like, yeah, the group strep yeah. B. Um, you, yeah. you're either positive or negative, whether you have the right. presence, presence of the bacteria. Yeah. Right. So I was never able to like, we just, I think the appointment for that was scheduled for like a few days after that. And I never ended up having that done. So to be safe, they had to put me on antibiotics, especially I had to have an IV, which was like the biggest thing that I didn't want to have. I didn't want to be hooked up to a giant, you know, tube inside of my arm. And, you know, so I had to get over that. Um, And then, you know, uh, as you remember, you know, like I would go like an hour where the contractions were getting stronger and they were like four minutes apart. And then I would go like 45 minutes without a contraction. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was and they really weren't very painful. It wasn't that difficult to get through them. Um, I remember when you came in the afternoon, there were a few that I really needed your help with. But then it would subside and be fine. 
Um, and then, you know, like my nightmare came into uh, view, I guess, when um, the midwife who was on duty at the time came in and said that, you know, because I was, you know, four weeks early and because my water broke, they were concerned that the reason my water broke was because there was some kind of a small infection. And if there was an infection, then they wanted to get Zoe out as soon as possible. Um, and so they wanted to start inducing, you know, it, it had now been, you know, 12 hours since my water had broken. They really wanted to induce some labor with Pitocin. Um, and that was like, above all other things, that was like the number one thing that I didn't want to do. Um, I was really scared about that. You know, I've watched, um, the business of being born and, you know, seen and heard, you know, all sorts of horror stories about, you know, you getting Pitocin and then boom, that's like leading to getting a, you know, a cesarean. So that was scary. And I wanted to just hold off and see if my body was going to do it. Um, and so we held off another six, seven hours or so. The midwives are really great about not being pushy. And Adriana, you were really great about, you know, letting me know, you know, you don't have to let them make this decision for you. This is your decision. You need to do what's comfortable for you. They're not telling you your baby is in like grave danger yet, you know, so, you know, you, you, just need to do what you're feeling good about. So we did wait. You know, I wanted to just give it some time. Um, and, and then was, around 11 o'clock. Yeah. When, and, when, and when you presented your, your choices, you know, this because that would be like the midwife would come and say something. And, and, and I, I really appreciate how their language, it was very much, this is what we're thinking. What do you think about? Not, okay, this is what we're going to do which right. already right. there they are it's that part of you a supportive care where you get to decide right right exactly and exactly they, yeah they were never pushy about it it was this is what we think but you you know you you need to decide what you want to do yeah no. and then when when after we talked you expressed your wishes and you and, and your husband talked and and they came back in and and you said this is you know this is what we'd, we'd like you to like to do what what do you think and they said that seems completely reasonable so in terms right. of safety it was always very much of options we could do this or we could do that sure we can wait you know is there any reason we can't wait so right right what i really liked about that is that well one you you were at a point where you it, it you needed to go through a process that was comfortable for you so you you right. needed to do these steps, right. but also you were hungry. So then I went and got <laughs> Mediterranean food for everybody yeah. and brought it in yeah. and you got, you know, you hadn't eaten very much all day. So you got right. energy. Exactly. And, um, exactly. Yeah. Just that delay so I could eat like a normal, healthy meal. You got me a salad, you know, with, with chicken and tomatoes and cucumbers and feta cheese. And I, you know, to be able to do that, you know, was probably huge, you know, to get that nourishing meal in before the insanity ensued, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, yeah, that was really great. And, and that, that you touched on something else. Like I, I needed to make that decision to start Pitocin when I was ready to make that decision. You know, if, if I needed to give my body a little more time and then know in my heart that, all right, this is really not going to happen. 
like my body, something's wrong, something's not going right, and my body's not going to do it on its own. So we we did eventually decide to start, you know, the Pitocin drip, you know, around 11, 1130 that, that night. Um, and I also remember um, they encouraged me to uh, take a shot of morphine to help me just get some rest, to, to sleep a little bit before the Pitocin really kicked in and I started going into intense contractions. And that was another point where, you know, you... Uh, uh, sometimes, you know, you feel, you do feel pressured by the medical world that, you know, they, they just have a way of doing things and they think they know what's best for you. And you as your own person don't think certain things are best for you. And I've been in hospital situations before where I've had morphine and it made me feel awful. And my brain was just not in a good place on it. I, you know, I felt totally tripped out and not present mentally. And I didn't want to feel that way. Um, but you know, I guess that I had had it maybe through an IV before, and this was a shot just right into the the buttocks, you know, which I guess affects <laughs> differently. Um, and you know, they tried to convince me of that, and the nurses were saying it wasn't even the do- uh, midwife or a doctor, but a nurse saying you really, really should do this. You really need to get some rest, and this will really help you get some rest. And um, again, you were there, not telling me what to do or how to do it, but having you there, someone that I trusted who, you know, doesn't have a medical degree, but has been in these situations before, um, to encourage me, you know, in a certain direction and, and say, you know, I'm not going to tell you whether to take this morphine or not, but you getting some rest right now would be the number one best thing for you to do. So however you can achieve that, that's what I think, you know, you should do. And, 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 and having you there as another voice to, um, help me sort of work through this was so great. So anyway, I did, I took the morphine. I was able to take like a two hour nap, um, because of that. And it was really great because getting it directly into the butt, it didn't make me all loopy and crazy and uh, icky yeah. feeling like I was worried about. So that was actually pretty great. Yeah. And I like um, that before you made that decision, that that was part of the things we had, we had time and you had time to ask all the questions and get those. Right. So understand, well, this is how it made me feel before. How will be it be different and get clarification from the staff of saying, well, the, you know, it's intravenous. It's not intravenous. It's intramuscular. So that'll be different in this way. Right. Um, right. It's about that informed consent, right, of getting all the right. information so you can make informed choices. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I think... I think from one pregnancy to the next, you know, I think it's hard in the, the first time because you've never done this before and you don't, you, like I said, you just don't know what to expect. You don't know what to do. So you just, it's almost like you're just timid and afraid to ask questions or try to push for things. Um, and, you know, I think the second time around with, you know, my husband and I being more informed and then having your support and having the midwife support, you know, I, I just felt stronger and more capable and more like I'm allowed to ask these questions and to not want to just say, okay. Um, you know, and I hope that I, I, you know, I wish I could like feed that, that sort of strength, um, and confidence into like first time birthing, you know, moms, you know, that, you know, you can ask questions. You don't just have to say yes, you know, um, gathering all the information you can before you make, you know, your decision. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. But yeah. So 
and yeah, I wanted I mean, to, you know, it was just... I was looking at my notes here and I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I wanted to no, add okay. more, one more thing about the information you had. Um, in helping you make that decision, you had decided that it would be a good idea to get checked. And around 10, oh, yeah. 1030 at night, you got checked. And what, what, right. where were you at? Um, God, Do you remember? Like not even a centimeter, right? Like... Right. Yeah, you were a fingertip and 50% of face in the serious station. So that sort of said, even though that's a snapshot that doesn't let anybody know like how quickly things will move afterwards or whatever came before, but that right. at that moment, you were still on the very early side of the process, even after having right. this whole day of, you know, water breaking and, and all the story up to now. Right, right. We were like 20 hours in and I wasn't even a centimeter dilated. So that was, you're right, that was a huge, that was a huge thing for me to be like, okay, so now, like, that was very vital information to help me be okay with making the decision to go ahead and start the Pitocin. And I yeah, think I that had a lot that. to do with why the the nurse and everybody was really thinking, you do need this rest, because right. we know you probably have a ways to go still, and you are tired right. now. Right, right, because it could have been another... 12, 15, 20 hours. Like nobody you never knows. Know, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nobody knows. Yeah. Yeah. There, even though you get Pitocin, there's no telling how long it will take from there or how your body will react to it and all of that. Right. So yeah. Yeah. So it was really good to get a rest. And then it is kind of insane how you wake up and you're like, Ooh, okay. I'm feeling this now. I'm feeling this now. And then for me, it just, it just escalated incredibly quickly. Um, and I remember telling you this at our postpartum visit, but, um, you know, I, I went to sleep, my husband went to sleep and then you went home for a little bit to try to get some sleep. Cause we knew I'd be asleep for a while. And you earlier in the day had been doing this thing where every time I had a contraction, you would just shake my leg, you know, shake my hip or my leg or my knee or something. And somehow that really helped. And it was really incredible how even when you were gone, you had given my husband that tool to help me through those beginning contractions before you got back. And, you know, he was just sitting there passed out and I would have a contraction. He would kind of half wake up, shake my leg, and then we'd both kind of close our eyes again. And then the, another contraction would come and he'd shake my leg. And somehow just that shaking of my leg, it was like, it was like a life saving in that time, just very simple little thing that really got me through every contraction, which was crazy. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, so, so yeah, so it was really awesome. And then, so lucky for me, the Pitocin really took and, um, the contractions started to come very quickly. You know, it all went so fast. It was only, you know, I guess probably I woke up I, around two something in the morning, two, three in the morning is when I woke up from my morphine nap. And then things started really going fast. And it was really only a couple of hours after that. And Zoe was was born. Um, I don't even know how far apart the contractions were. I don't even know if anybody even talked about that. Maybe I, maybe I texted you that at some point. I don't, I don't know, but, um, it was, it just escalated. And then all of a sudden, um, I was in the bathtub. Uh, you know, the, the nurses got me into the bathtub and then you got there and, 
you got there right at the right time and just started helping me with, you know, ice and, and, you know, being in the bathtub, but giving me cold washcloths because the, I needed the warmth of the bathtub, but it was also very hot. So I needed that like hot, cold contrast the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really, I remember, I just remember it so clearly. And I just want to touch again on how like my son's labor, like those couple hours before he actually came out are like all kind of a blur. Like it's, I don't really remember specifics of it, but I remember like every detail of how I felt, you know, right before my daughter was born. And, and I remember being in the bathtub and I mean, you really cannot put words to the pain that you feel, especially I remember when suddenly, um, I don't know what, when she had, when she was in transition, is that when you start feeling the urge to push? Is that what it is? When just the babies. Pa- right. So just past transition, transition, you get, it's the last bit, like eight to 10 centimeters before you're fully dilated. And then when you get the urge to push is when it's the second stage of labor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when, when I, yeah, when I had that urge and I remember, I, I think I said to you something like, I, I, I feel like she's in my butt. I feel like she's in my butt or something like that. And, and then I think at that point you really were like, you know, get, get the midwife in here, get the nurse in here. You know, she's ready. She's ready. She's ready to go, you know? Um, and just the excru- And I remember then when I had had that first contraction of feeling like she was really down there. And I had that urge to push with that contraction. Um, I vomited right after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were so quick with grabbing the little tray. Um, and I felt so much better. It was like the best vomiting I've ever done. You know, it was just, it was like, I needed that release and then I felt so much better. But then those contractions that came after, I remember just literally, it's like, you literally have to leave your own body mentally. You know, you just, you, the only way to get through how painful it is, is to just, just leave your mind. Like, I don't, I don't know how else to put it, but I just left my own body with my brain. And I remember my husband saying he was like really terrified because I was so, you know, like, Oh, Oh my God. Oh, oh, it hurts, hurts, hurts. And then I just got really quiet and he was like, Oh oh no, what's happening to my wife right now? Like what (laughs) is happening? Um, but it was actually a really good thing, you know? And, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I remember, you know, okay, she's ready to go. And, and you had asked the, the staff to um, lower my Pitocin drip because now I'm having contractions like literally every two minutes, you know, and it was just so intense. And, and that, you know, was definitely another thing where, you know, again, I know you're not there to tell anybody what to do, me or the staff, but, you know, you were really good about urging them. Like she is, she is contracting, like this is happening. This baby is coming out. Like this is not going to go on for hours. This is going to go on for minutes at this point. Can you please lower her drip a little bit to give her a little bit of a break? And I, I then had, and they did, they agreed. And I had like maybe what, four or five minutes then between a contraction. And then it was like, and then I think I did the vomiting and then it was like, okay, we're ready to go. Right. And I got out of the tub. Um, and I remember, um, another huge thing was that when I got onto the bed, you know, onto the birthing 
whatever, the hospital bed, um, the labor bed. Um, I remember being like, well, how should I be? How should I lay? You know, what position should I be in? And everybody was like, whatever you want to be, whatever's comfortable. And I remember laying on my back and just being like, oh, God, oh, God, God, this is not right. This is not <laughs> it. This is not the position. This, Oh, my God, this hurts so bad. And then I was just brought back to, you know, after I had my son, I for months I had intense and awful back pain, like really, really awful lower back pain, like literally for months. Um, my physical recovery was so horrific and it was, it made me sad. It made me depressed. It was so awful to physically feel so awful. And when you're trying to breastfeed and all of that, and you just are just physically taking so long to recover, it was just terrible. Um, and you know, I was on my back and probably couldn't feel any kind of pain that may have been occurring from the position I was in that maybe wasn't the greatest for getting a baby out. So now this time I can feel everything because I never got any, you know, I guess I never touched on that, that even though I had the, the Pitocin induced labor, I never got an epidural. All I had was the morphine, which, you know, that didn't really decrease my labor pains. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was able to feel everything. And although it was so awful and so painful, I was able to feel that lying on my back was not going to work. This is not the position this baby wants me to be in right now. So I, I lay on my side and I remember just moving my legs up and down like uncontrollably from the pain. And you, I have this vision of you um, just holding my, my right knee up in the air, like with all of your might, like almost in like a football stance, just like holding my leg up, you know, so that the baby could come out and you just got right in there like hands on, you know, while my husband held my hands and, you know, and then there she came and it was really magnificent and wonderful. And I just, it was such a wonderful feeling to feel her, you know, coming out. And I, even though it was probably more painful than it would have been without the Pitocin, although I don't really know. Um, and it was really scary and awful in a lot of ways I, I'm like, so even now looking back, I just, I like get so happy when I think about that time that had started out a little scary because we didn't know why my water had broke, but turned into actually being the birth that I had wanted because I just wanted to give birth vaginally and, you know, without medication and it was great, you know, so that's, that's that, I guess. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it was, I love hearing your story and I'm going to back up a little bit and put a little bit of time perspective into these, this last yeah, few, yeah. like all that yeah, craziness yeah. at the end. So yeah. you yeah. you did get that the morphine to sleep around midnight. And yes. then around four in the morning, I got the call from Michael saying, things have ramped up, you know, come in. So yes. you got checked at 4.30 in the morning and you were six centimeters, 90% yes. the face and zero station. So yeah. you had gone, let's see, you got checked before, uh, what time was it? I'm trying to look at it. It was here. like 11, maybe 11, 1130. Yeah, yeah, 10.30. 10.30, you were okay. fingertip, 50% zero. So you were you were nothing. You were a fingertip at 10.30. At 4.30, you were six centimeters. Yeah. So for you, that Pitocin, where you were, did definitely help get things moving more than your right. body was doing it. Um right. And then when I got there just shortly after that, like at 4.35, you were in the tub 
and you things were way more intense and you weren't getting a break. So that's when I spoke to Michael and trying to figure out ways of making you more comfortable and really contractions were on top of each other. Um, right. And that's when we talked, I, I talked briefly with Michael and went back and forth and, and used, you know, that favorite question that we, we talk about during doula meetings, which is, is there any reason why? And so I asked, is there any reason why? Because Michael wanted to stay with you. Is there any reason why the Pitocin can't go lower? Not take it off, not take it right. away, just some to right. see if you could get a break. That was the, the goal so that it was more manageable for you. And right. as you say, not directing, not, not doing anything specifically medical, just asking, can we, can she get a break? And... They said, sure, we can, we can lower this. And then yeah. that gave you enough like contractions instead of being on top of each other every two minutes, they went to being yeah. about four minutes or yeah. three and a half minutes, which gave you breathing room, <laughs> which you right. didn't have which before. doesn't seem like a big enough, doesn't seem when you say it like that, it's like, well, you know, is it really, you know, did it really help that much? But at the time when... It really did help. It was like huge in those last few contractions to have some time in between them, you know, just to catch my breath before having to push, you know, was huge, you know? Yeah. And because during that time, your body was definitely kickstarted. So it when so they checked you at 430, you were six at 530, one hour later, you were 10. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. all of this yeah. with the tub and the Pitocin and if there's any reason it can't be lowered and throwing up and feeling her in her butt, <sighs> all that happened in one hour. Yeah. And yeah, she also, just, it's, crazy. it's crazy. And she went to, you were zero station at 430 and you were plus two at 530. So the reason you were feeling her, you were saying, I feel her, she's right there. I feel her in my butt is because she was like, <laughs> she had dropped she down was. two centimeters in that yeah. hour yeah 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 which is I mean it, it's just yeah looking back on it 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 is crazy to realize that it happened that fast you know I you just can't even believe it mm -hmm. and you and the pushing your pushing stage was 10 minutes so yeah you got out of the tub got on that bed got checked went on your side did a few pushes and how she came yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember, I remember, you know, being like, I know, I know that she's ready. She is in my butt. She's going to come out. I just want to get her out. I just want to get her out. And I remember the, you know, the, um, unfortunately, my midwife was delivering somebody else's baby. So I ended up having to have um, an OBGYN that I didn't know deliver the baby, which, you know, in the end, when you're at that stage of the game and, you know, you're pushing, it, it just sort of is like, ah, whatever, you know, who cares, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to get this baby out. But I remember them being like, no, 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 don't push. We need to check you and make sure you're, you know, you're 10 centimeters. And I remember being like, are you kidding? You know, I can't believe you're going to make me wait. She's ready. But, you know. I, you know, learned afterwards, you know, you really have to be safe and make sure because sometimes women are feeling that urge to push and they're not, um, they're not fully dilated. So we did have to make sure, but, um, I remember just intensely hating them for checking mm -hmm. me at that moment. But, you know, you have to remember that they're, they're just trying to keep you safe and keeping mm -hmm. your cervix from like rupturing open. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, anyway, it was, it was. It was really fast and intense, but like so, 
so awesome. And, and I don't, I don't think that, you know, they, so there were two very different experiences and I, I, it's not like in any way I felt more love for my daughter when she came out than I did for my son, that, that feeling of seeing them for the first time and meeting them for the first time, like that piece was equal for both of them. But, um, you know, I, I, I do remember the birth of my second child of Zoe is just this really kick butt like I'm a woman and this is so awesome to be a woman you know I used to hate being a woman like it's not fair it's not fair that I have to carry the baby and do all this and be in so much pain and not sleep very well for nine months and blah 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 blah. but you know it was like wow like men don't get to feel this you know this is this is an like this is a gift to be able to feel this feeling so um yeah it was pretty awesome yeah it was crazy last hour and all (laughs) yeah 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 exactly exactly that was the best part so yeah fantastic thank you so so much for sharing all this with us yeah i love living it um i know me too very good go and enjoy those kids i will i will thank you adriana take care okay bye Mamas, I love to hear from you, so share with me your thoughts, and if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. And if you'd like to share your birth story, let me know as well. Stay in touch by following Birthful on Facebook or Twitter. Even better, become a part of the Birthful community by subscribing at birthful.com. You'll get access to bonus episodes and other exclusive goodies. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.